0: Welcome to our podcast, Schizophrenia, Three Moms in the Trenches, from the place where schizophrenia and real life collide, East Coast, West Coast, Middle America, with Miriam Feldman, Mindy Greiling, and Randy Kaye. This is episode 18, and welcome. We're so glad to have you here. Tonight, we're going to talk about a medication. You have heard us, well, more than just the medication, actually, but- You have heard us talk about Clozaryl or Clozapine a great deal as one of the most successful medical treatments for our sons. And Mimi has been saying from the very beginning, Dr. Leitman says, Dr. Leitman says, Dr. Leitman says, so we're so excited that he's going to be joining us today. So um, Mimi, since you brought him in and you know him really, really well, would you do the honors of introducing Dr. Leitman and we'll, we'll get things started?
1: I'll be thrilled with it. I'm uh, thrilled to do that. I'll keep it short um, because he's got more important things to say than my gushing over him. But he really <laughs> is what every doctor should be. You know, This is the guy that we've all been looking for. And um, he he's actually a nephrologist. And when his son was diagnosed with schizophrenia at 16, they basically told him, this is it. There's nothing, we, you know, there's not any recovery from this. And um, this is how he's going to be. And these will be the limitations of his life. And Dr. Leitman, or Rob, as we call him, um, he refused to accept that. And he basically ended up rediscovering this drug, Clozapine, that had fallen out of use. And I'll let him explain all of that. And basically saving lives, left and right. All the time. And I found him about a year ago through a couple other moms with sons who said, well, you got to talk to Rob Layton. Called him up on a Sunday afternoon when he was at a barbecue next door. And he answered the phone and called me back and talked to me for an hour that night and took Nick as a patient and basically returned my son to me. Um, Nick has not been the way that he is now since he got sick. He's back with us. And um, Rob does a lot of creative thinking and creative chemistry and advocating. And we need an army of Rob's. But luckily we have at least him. And here he is tonight. So I'm going to just be quiet and let him talk.
0: All right. So, um, and here he is. I I feel
2: Mimi. And that was way... Uh, way too much, way over the top, but I'm used to Mimi, so yeah, this has been our year together. Um,
0: <laughs> well, you know, you had me at, he answered the phone on a Sunday, so there you go.
2: I Yeah, people get really shocked at that, but you know, I my wife and I, and you know, give me all the credit, but it's really uh, my wife is Dr. Ann Mandel, and I really did this together, and we both didn't accept what was considered the status quo, and you know we we got lucky in so many ways. Uh, you know we were very fortunate that you know we we ran into some brilliant people and the late Deborah Levy, who uh, ran the Harvard uh, Research Lab. Uh, the first words out of her mouth when she heard about our son Daniel was. Clozapine. Why isn't he on clozapine? So we really didn't rediscover the drug, but you know, we were certainly uh, pushed in that direction, and then we we kind of took the ball and ran with it because we found uh, yes, you know, it was underutilized. Yes, a lot of people are afraid of it, and yes, it has tremendous side effects. But boy, does it work so much better than anything else
0: we always say we are not doctors, but you are. So that's a really good thing. And I will, I don't know how much you know about us. I know certainly, you know, Mimi, I will briefly tell you that my son who I call Ben uh, in, in my experience, and he's 39 now. So I don't know how old mm-hmm. your son is about 30, 30. 30. So right. what I always heard was clozapine Oh yeah. That's the last thing we'll try. That's the last thing. Let's go through all the other mm-hmm. things. And and again we're not talking this is, we're not prescribing for our listeners we're not prescribing for your children you have to go through your doctor but i know rob that you wrote a book with other colleagues clozapine meaningful recovery from schizophrenia and maybe talking about it as there it is the first thing to try rather than the last thing to try
2: when you do medicine when you take care of someone First, you always have to get to know who that person is. But then you always assess, what can I do to improve that person's life? What are the benefits that I can you know, give this person? How can I take care of them the very best? And what are the risks involved in that caring? And depending on how sick they are, you have to decide on taking certain risks. Now, I grew up, as Miriam said, in the, in the field of nephrology, And I grew up with the the sickest of the sick. I would take care of the lupus patients. And one thing I learned when you had very serious illness, you had to be aggressive. Otherwise, you were just really, uh, you're, you're, you're giving up to the disease and you're not letting them live their life. Schizophrenia, psychotic spectrum disorders are the same thing. They are severe in left to their own devices, neurodegenerative illnesses, left to their own devices, associated with a very early mortality. Um, Right now, the average lifespan, as most of you are aware, is anywhere from 15 to 25 years less than the general population. And we were told Daniel's life was basically over because he started very young, he had catatonia, And he had neurodevelopmental stuff leading up to that. So he had all the poor prognostic factors. Well, over the years, we've learned a lot what these psychosis spectrum illnesses are. And we know that they're polygenetic. They're very complicated. They're very heterogeneous. But there are certain genes that are incredibly prevalent in these populations, if you go back, and they've done this in the gene-wide analysis study. And there's this one gene called uh, that basically, if you're going to look at what's called a Manhattan plot, so you look at uh, genes and risk for schizophrenia, you'll see this one gene that looks like the biggest skyscraper of all. And it's called the complement uh, C4A gene. And it overexpresses that gene. And what happens in the brain is normal neurodevelopment you have a big fuzzy brain at age 12 or 13. That's as big as your brain gets. And then it starts to prune down kind of like a bush that's overgrown and you want it to make it look pretty. Well, people that have this one gene, they get extensive overpruning. And there's only one drug that's been shown, again, in experimental studies. We're not in humans now, but in rats. So this is this is experimental, but there's very good evidence for this. And it's accruing now in, in you know, subhuman species and in, you know, in, in humans in autopsy studies, that clozapine can slow that process down, that over pruning. It blocks the overstimulation of the brain's immune cells called the microglia. So bottom line is the earlier you use this drug, you can actually change the trajectory of a considerable number of these people's illnesses. The, that gene is responsible for a quarter of all psychotic illnesses, you know, wow. as well. So why,
0: why isn't it the, you know, I think we know, because we've all studied, why piece... isn't it the first one used? Well, let
2: me keep going to support why it should be first also. Okay. Also, we know that in the first year of psychosis, the mortality rate is 50 times that the general population. And a lot of that is suicide, drugs, and accidents. And what drug is the only drug that's out there that significantly it has the FDA indication for suicide prevention. It's not used. So we're losing three to 5% of our population in the first year because they're gone because no one uses clozapine in the first year. Mm. So why isn't it being used? Those are the, the two most compelling reasons. One it keeps your kid alive Two, it potentially can abort the, the, the process and, and, uh, Three, if I want to keep going on, another really important gene that uh, Robert Freeman always talks about is the nicotinic receptors—the ability to be able to concentrate and focus on something. A lot of these kids will have tremendous difficulties, you know, sorting through external stimuli. So, for instance, many years my son could not sit at the dining room table and engage in conversation, and that's part of what we call gating, the ability to get rid of extraneous circumstances and information and focus. Clozapine uniquely works on that gene set too, on the nicotine receptors. And you want to start that early because if you keep limit, you keep letting all this sensory stimulation get in, what happens with that? You get more dopamine dysregulation, you get more stress, and that also cascades to psychosis. And it's worse around the prodrome early in the illness. That's when you have the most to gain. So those are the three big compelling reasons why you wanna use it early. Um, There's more, but we'll we'll stop there for now. Why isn't it used early? Well, a lot of the reasons is, and this is kind of sad, because the United States leads the world in its lack of use is we are slaves to the pharmaceutical industry. There is absolutely no money in clozapine. And if you're going to use so, no one's going to promote it. And everyone's going to say, why are you going to use this difficult drug? People are afraid of it. It's been mandatory blood monitoring uh, because of a, uh, a cohort of six Finnish women that uh, were affected by something called agranulocytosis, which is a very low white count a severe neutropenia, a white count of less than 500, and they, in fact, uh, died. This is in Finland, 1975. Nothing like that has ever happened again, but the FDA took it off the market, and it only came back to the market back in 1990, after it was apparent that this drug did indeed work better than any other drug, especially in the group of people that were not getting any benefits from what at the time was only the first-generation antipsychotics. What happened in Finland, we reviewed this. These people were on a whole other series of other medications that can also cause the severe neutropenia. And the clozapine really wasn't the drug at fault. Not that it doesn't happen. It does happen. It's three in 1,000. But most psychiatrists are unaware of this information. No one talks about it. You know, we, we, why? Because it's a hard drug to do right. It's a lot of work, no one pays for it. And if you're gonna do clozapine correctly, it's not about the neutrophil count and doing the white count, that's become very easy because now there's a point of service care, which most, again, psychiatrists are entirely unaware of. It only came out in the last year. So I don't blame them terribly for that. So you don't even need the blood work anymore to get the clozapine. So the deal is the first 26 weeks, before this year, before this point of service finger stick device was approved, you had to go get blood work and people weren't willing to do it. And and most psychiatrists, unfortunately, don't know their patients that well, don't know their families that well, and just thought it was horribly inconvenient and also are not convinced that the drug is that much better than the others. And that's that's because they don't have the experience. They're not taught it in med school. They're taught all these other drugs are much easier to use. They're all told that the metabolic side effects of clozapine are so horrible that they're gonna shorten people's lives. Well, we have studies that have come out of Finland, the FIN11 and the FIN20 study. So first one, FIN11, came out in 2011, FIN20 in 2020. But it's an 11 year and 20 year experience Where they looked at the entire uh, group of people with psychotic spectrum disorders, schizophrenia, bipolar, anyone who's on antipsychotic. And what they found, and, and people not on antipsychotic, just with the diagnosis, they found the people that did the worst were on no antipsychotics. The people that did the next best were on the injectables. All the orals underperformed the injectables, but the people that did the best, that had the best survival, best psychosocial rehabilitation were on clozapine. They lived longer despite the metabolic complications. Now, psychiatrists are used to be called alienists. They were really looked down upon by the medical community because they wouldn't do medicine. And that still, unfortunately, is a problem. If you're going to use clozapine correctly, you have to do medicine because the reality is, along with the lanzepine, it does have the worst metabolic side effects. That said, if you're a doctor and you pay attention, you can mitigate pretty much all the side effects. But you have to be clever and you have to be willing to do medicine. So doesn't pay. It's more work. You have to get blood work. People are afraid of it because they don't realize that the actual risk of dying from cytosis about one in ten thousand individuals, actually zero point three percent of people will develop the very low white count. But of those 03, 0.3 excuse me, percent, so three in a thousand, only five in a thousand have historically, in the worst, in the worst uh, case scenarios, been shown to die. In you know very in a variety of uh, before we got what's called the national REMS. Clozapine site, we would have regional sites in Texas, the, the incidence of death was zero. Uh, I've still am waiting, and I just looked over, and we have had uh, 202 active patients. We're still waiting for our first uh, mm. true grant And that's, and I've been asked to challenge two people that already developed grant documented. And I've been able to re-challenge both of them, doing it, you know, in a in, in my fashion, which is basically saying, what's the mechanism of developing a agranulocytosis? Well, we know it's immunologic. So what do you do in an immunologic situation with a drug you really need? You develop tolerance. So I started with micro-dosing, giving them 6.25, taking the smallest Closmine pill, cutting it in quarters, and doing that for two weeks, and then going up to 12.5 and you know, I'm two for two. It's hardly a large sample, but it, it shows yeah. you can use this drug. But I'm committed, and why am I so committed? Because my people get better. And you, you know, know,
1: let me add, let me ask you to explain something to our listeners or talk about something to our listeners. You know, all these side effects that that we read about or that I read about before Nick started weight gain, salivation, right. being stated, all these things. Now, when I look, you know, Nick has not had, you know, Nick's like Mr. Immune to every side effect, but he's not really. It's because Dr. Leighton started him with a um, a regime that h- had these things off at the past. And I want you to talk about that a little so people understand
2: oh, what I mean you put together. you got to mitigate predictable side effects, and there are predictable side effects. Clozapine, along with the olanzapine, as I said, will cause weight gain, hyperglycemia, highest blood sugar, really terrible triglycerides, sedation um, as you go up, yes, excess of salivation, constipation, every single one of these things.
0: These are all and- things my son complained about.
2: Right. but And all- won't
0: go back on it for that reason.
2: But they're all so easily fixed and all mm-hmm. so predictable. And it's just as long as you treat them, it's not this, but psychiatrists, this is the problem. They have to be retrained. They're not trained as doctors. It's much easier to prescribe Latuda, which has no side effects, doesn't do, can I curse a little? It's bring, doesn't do shit, but, <laughs> but it doesn't, fine. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make them worse and doesn't you know, cause any problems or vralar or, or calypta or any of this garbage that's out there, but they don't work. Yeah. They don't work in the same way. They're not nearly as robust, and it's it's not easy. Psychiatrists want one, two, three. I'm going to be a psychopharmacologist. I'm going to combine three different antipsychotics. There's not one shred of evidence that shows that supports that. Uh, and you know, there's this tremendous literature with clozapine. That's why there's 600 articles a year that still come out about clozapine. So you know, when I'm talking to my you know people at brain and behavior research foundation the people that really know what they're doing on the whole they say of course yes we do this but try to get it out to uh, you know Johnny public uh, psychiatrist who's seeing people every 15 minutes you can't do it like that it just doesn't work you I mean, really can I, do can, it I work.
3: can I ask a question here so sure so I'm sitting here with a son who actually has had a granulocytosis. He's terrified he's going to get it again. He has a psychiatrist who spends 3 to 5 minutes with him once a month on the phone. And um Thanks. so started out with with cl- clozapine um when he was like his second or third year into schizoaffective disorder,
2: which is pretty damn good because the usual is almost ten years.
3: Yeah, but so that did. was because he was doing so very poorly. So they finally uh, let him do it. He gained 120 pounds right. and he got a granulocytosis. He got nothing for the side effects.
2: Right. He so got this it. is the problem, right? I, I know. Don't have that. You when
0: know, he I have to, got it, so so your him, question, Mindy, is what?
2: But yeah. Well,
3: when he got it, they told him he could never go on it again.
2: Right. Um, it was called a no challenge list.
3: So he wasn't on it for 15 years until he did very poorly again. And now they've let him go back on it again. So, Mike, I have a couple of questions. So one of them is, what is the current thinking? If you get a granulocytosis, instead of telling people you can never go on it again, I know your patients haven't had it, but,
2: two, we're, two, but they were referred to me. Oh, those two, they, they were, were, just they were a grand and no one else is willing to do it.
0: It brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the I'm on podcast with new episodes every Monday. What? So
3: what would, how long do you make them wait before they can try it again?
0: Six
2: months.
3: Not 15 years, like no,
2: six, to wait? six months, six, six months, months, six months is the teaching. Um, And believe me, that is not rocket science, and that has very little data. That was just what people were comfortable with in terms of, you know, that's given us a trial that clearly this kid is not doing well, and he really needs it. Um, And then doing it like I just mentioned it, you know, doing it as if it was tolerance, and you build up. And the success rate with eight grand with re-challenge is well over 50%. How much over 50%? We don't know. The literature is tiny. We're talking 50 patients so far in the literature. It's about 60% success rate. So 30 out of the 50 so far. And, if your you know, patient
3: I, got it again, would you also wait uh, six months and try it again? Or would you be afraid to try it a third time? I,
2: I think if they got it again, I probably would at this point. But you know, I would have to see how they're doing. I really, I would have to, you know I would try certain things that would make sense to me. Um, You know, Herb Meltzer has talked to me about uh, combining, for instance, Nuplizid, which was derived from Clozapine. It's a drug that's used for Parkinson's. And there's two drugs out there, uh, Zyprexa, which has got some activity that I think is somewhat reasonable, and a new drug, Ansapine, that just got approved, which is actually amisulpride. It was only available in Europe, and that's actually a little bit more effective than clozapine. So my my take, God forbid it happens, and it probably happens. I'm going to treat enough people. I would probably do a combination, and this is the only combination I tried. But I, I'm a salt pride with uh, nuplizid, and the reason I would do that is because I nuplizid only works on 5HT to a certain serotonin receptor. That's really important in terms of the prefrontal cortex and very critical for the psychosis that we get with Parkinson's disease. The only other drug that has a significant amount of that action is clozapine. So in Herb Meltzer's hands, and Herb is the one who brought clozapine to the U.S. with John Kane back in 1990, and this is unpublished stuff. So he said it really can boost the other antipsychotics in terms of their actions, because The amisulpride is the second most active antipsychotic, and seems may have some negative symptom control. May have again compared to clozapine. None of these are in the same ballpark. But as I said, you know, I would I would take that six months and explore that possibility, and then if the kid was still no good, I, I probably would, and I would just go slower and I would do like 6.25 and microdose them for two or four weeks and just follow it because I would be in an uncharted area, uncharted water. And before I do this also, that's the other thing you should know, is I put all my patients on lithium, okay? And why I put them on lithium is not because of its properties as a mood stabilizer, but lithium is granulocyte stimulating factor, but the cheap version. So- you can do. Uh, you can uh, inject granula, granulocyte stimulating factor at a cost of a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month, or you can give lithium, and that stimulates bone marrow production of white blood cells. So those um, are the two things. I forgot. But can do you
1: guys see how he is thinking outside of the box and making oh, the medicine? Like- so In I mean, a way that, but but that's because we go see psychiatrists and they're not looking at the whole picture and they're not looking at the medicine side of it. So here we have this drug where all three of us sons who have been or are on it, and we know it's a good drug for them. And we have a situation where people are not, doctors are not telling us. I mean, I did not hear about this until I was three years ago 20 almost 20 years into this with nick and it's not like i was under a rock i mean i wrote a book for God's sake, and i
2: yeah.
1: nobody talked about it so rob what do we do how do we change this right how do we well i need this?
2: an army and i need to keep going i mean you know i was talking all over the place as you know i was going doing grand rounds all over the new york area i did one for california i'll do it wherever they have me go i did one in houston i went to tulane i COVID kind of stopped me a little bit.
0: Right. <laughs> well, so you're... I, am still,
2: I am still on these things. I'm still a voice out there. I'm still part of uh, there's a treatment resistance in psychosis panel, which is basically a Clozapine panel because you're talking about treatment resistance. Everyone agrees that Clozapine needs to be the drug of choice. So we're all out there trying to promote it in our respective countries. And it's just getting. To the base people um, and showing them the details. The biggest thing that will finally come from this, Miriam, is when uh, my statistician and, and good friend, uh, yes, Rachel Strife, comes and finishes our data and we put our information in the literature because our you know we have uh, about a hundred kids that are at a year now with clozapine um, and we've Rachel. You know, as long as they are adherent to what I'm, I want of these hundred kids. In other words, they'll take the meds as prescribed, and they they need the support as well. You have those two things in place. You need support if you're going to do this clozapine. They got to do it right. They can't skip doses. The repercussions of using clozapine incorrectly, as you found out, the 150 pounds of weight and all the rest are enormous. So you have to do it right. It's when I started out. Team Daniel, our initiative was just to use clozapine, but it soon became apparent as more and more of these kids came to us just for management of their clozapine that none of these people were doing it right. I'm still waiting for a really good regimen. It's getting better. Columbia Presbyterian and Harvard are much better. I mean, I've lectured there, I have people that I've talked to there. Lieberman is at Columbia. You know, there's some great people, a guy by the name of Muffson. Who was another big proponent, Deborah Levy was at Harvard. There were some great people there. So they know a lot of this stuff.
0: Right. So, Rob, Rob, this how is how do we
2: spread it? We have to teach it early on.
0: They so, really in terms of
2: medical the moms.
0: Right. So, yeah, now that's and you have the same to use the I'm...
2: moms. The moms have to be insisting. That's why I wrote the book. You know, you just have to get this information out there. But the the key is, and what is really critically important is if you can get them to use it psychiatrists and they get a few they get hooked because, why doesn't you know the drug I really company think that better why yeah. doesn't
3: the drug company that produces clozapine help generic. with use it
2: generic it costs pennies it's absolutely it's an orphan drug so there's about eight or different awesome. yep eight different so what I've gone back to is said, you know, what would be the perfect drug? It would be clozapine in a long acting injectable formulation.
0: Oh, that would be amazing. Yes.
2: And, you know, there is now a good injectable formulation, but it's only available in uh, Denmark, England, and Israel. um, As far as I know, there might actually might've gone to Finland recently. And, you know, I'd like to try to bring that here because it doesn't take much, you know, and I keep fantasizing about how I can make that a long-acting injectable because you can use drugs to block clozapine's metabolism, which we do with Nick. So you can probably make it so that you'd only be able to inject it maybe every two or three days. Again, we'd have to figure this out. This has never been done. <laughs> Injecting failing But what if the has been our listeners,
1: Rob? Like you know all these mothers out here who have not heard of closet being to are right now when we're talking about yeah. it well i can't give everybody your phone number and tell them to call you on sunday so that's what of those i have what do. do they do where do they go i mean right. well, what,
0: what advice you know? would you give the families of people who are who would who are now going oh wow we've you never go, tried this your, what can they you,
2: do you go to your psychiatrist but you educate yourself you get meaningful recovery from schizophrenia, mental well. illness, and you get the Clozapine Handbook. The Clozapine Handbook's a little dense. It was designed really for clinicians in mind. Um, my my section of uh, of the uh, meaningful recovery was kind of, you know, like the way I talk. I, you know, I, I go back and I talk medical ease and slap me around. My wife was here; she'd be kicking me because I. You know, everyone has a different level of expertise. But honestly, we do not have a meaningful, coherent system to take care of people with psychotic disorders.
0: Oh, we know that.
2: So you have to be your best advocate and you just have to pester them and tell them I'll talk to them. Because I will, I'll talk to psychiatrists. i you know, I have I put calls in um, all the time. A lot will not talk to me because he said, "Why would I talk to that nephrologist?" And that's, you know, can't control. Can I say that.
1: to the people listening? You know, um, the the people in our group, the parents of the the kids who are treated by Rob, we have a meeting once a week and. Everybody there says the same thing. We all have like copies and copies of these two books. He mentioned Meaningful Recovery from Schizophrenia with the Clause of Being, which is Rob's book and the Clause of Being Handbook. And, you know, I hand it out to people. I would say, get a few copies of the book. And the first thing you do is you go to your treating psychiatrist and give them these two books and say, this is what I want. And, you know, when you're approaching them with a book and with, you know, data, they can't just say that nah, 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 it's nothing. And so it's, it is very, and also read the book yourself. I never got through the handbook one, but you the other one Read was. the
2: handbook, especially the beginning, especially the stuff about efficacy. Right. The incredible thing is they keep going through one antipsychotic after another antipsychotic. When we know damn well, if you've had an adequate trial of one antipsychotic, the odds of any other drug except for clozapine working are remote the the incidence was 7% with olanzapine and that is a level of recovery that does not approach clozapine on the whole no and you they- know,
0: clozapine you know in my experience with my son and he was on it quite some time had gotten to only one month you know once a month blood draws but he always hated the side effects. However, he got to the point because it works on the negative symptoms. Right. Uh, a listener, if you've never heard this, negative symptom is what's taken away from your loved one. And it worked on that in my estimation because he- oh, he does,
2: was able to participate in his own care. He worked he
0: full-time it. as a right. as a restaurant server yeah. and paid his own bills and actually got off disability all the while completely hating the clozapine, like he he, we like kind of said, it, you can't live here tomorrow if you don't take it tonight. That was our one uncomfortable moment, and he took it in combination with a different mood stabilizer, Depakote, and you Which know, is so- the worst
2: drug to use with clozapine as a mood stabilizer because it accentuates clozapine's negative. Uh, side effects. It yeah. increases the weight gain and it increases sedation. It's very, this is where the clozapine handbook and my book differ. You know, he says, use Depakote. Oh yeah, it does increase the risk of agranulocytosis. So if he got a gran on Depakote, you should be able to re-challenge him.
0: Right. Well, he because didn't, is- he didn't get it. He didn't. I mean, he just did very well, but then COVID came, he lost his job. He crashed five and a half months in the hospital. And now the only thing he'll do is a Howell doll index injection. And it is what it is for now. For
2: now, uh, but you but should re-explore. He- I,
0: I will re-explore convincing him. We'll see, but I can certainly educate myself on different ways to do Clauserl so that oh, he wouldn't have the side and, effects that he hates.
2: And that's the thing getting rid of the negative symptoms. The amazing thing that is so different about my kids is they look like everyone else. They're back as part of the tribe, they're just out there doing their thing. You know, I have a kid who has a I don't want to call it a major motion picture, but it's, it's a motion picture and he's making money from it. It's on Netflix. And no one knows that he's got serious mental illness and he's got clozapine levels, as you're aware, in six, seven hundreds, which is a fairly robust amount of, of clozapine. And he's just sailing along where Daniel does a stand up. Everyone knows Daniel's got schizophrenia because he puts it as part of his stand up routine. But no one believes it, they think it's a joke. He said, no, this is what I've got. You know, that's not. In fact, even when we went to Deborah Levy, God rest her soul, 15 years ago, she said Daniel can't have schizophrenia. He's because he's even doing stand-up comedy before Clozapine, because he has a sense of humor. So there's that's that other part to defeat is that nihilism of what these psychotic spectrum disorders are. What could be accomplished, what could be achieved. I've got three kids. Now that I have babies. I have two Liams and uh, oh my God, I'm just and an athelia that just are uh, from clozapine uh, unions as it is.
0: I um, love how you call yeah. them my kids. That's very well they
2: hard. are my kids. I mean Can I
1: tell you something about him? When you say, Oh, the doctor sees your son Mindy for you know three to five minutes once a month. Here's Dr. Leitman who, you know, I call out of the blue and then COVID hits. We've never been in the same room together. No. He has met this last year. He meets with Nick once a week on FaceTime for minimum of a half an hour. Nick is never engaged with the doctor in his office for more than a couple minutes till he shuts down or walks out. He's still walking. Dr. Dr. Layman gets down on the floor with Nick and I hold the phone the that. face and they do their their push-ups and their jumping jacks together. I mean, the, the, the it's it's beyond just the cause of pain. It's no, the it and, and the way I mean these kids are their kids. And, and it's, it's, changes, it's changing lives in a
3: big way. I'm really jealous. I'm really, really jealous. You know, my son's psychiatrist, I've never spoken to her, and he's been going to her for several years. Uh, she doesn't do email, not to mention take a phone call on Sunday. So we have all this wow. um, HIPAA regulation where Jim is in charge. He gets to talk to the psychiatrist. I have a release, a universal release that includes her, but still um, I can only talk to the case manager. I'm a pretty aggressive person, but I'm so glad Jim is on Clozapine. that he has a psychiatrist that he's taking his meds, that I have decided to pick my battles, but I just um, can't stand it. Finally, we got through with the med foreman. After I read your book, I just-
2: To be on med foreman. Battle
3: I was going to pick. Weight gain is such a problem for Jim. So he went to the psychiatrist. I just said that one thing. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. He did not. And she said she couldn't prescribe that. He would have to go to his physical doctor for that. And so he did. So we haven't even gotten on to the other drugs that mitigate. Well, oh, there's so
2: many things that can mitigate weight gain. I mean, it, our data is pretty amazing in terms of anyone who's come to be overweight, you know, almost and nothing's universal. I would say 80 Maybe higher percent has lost weight. Um, you should talk a little bit about
1: the running thing, Rob, about well, that.
2: Aspect well, that's, but that's the whole thing. As Randy alluded to, the negative symptoms get better so the kids can start to participate. All these kids couldn't do a regimen. I mean, Daniel, before we had him on clozapine, he was gained maybe 30 pounds, 40 pounds on all these other antipsychotics. And I try to get him running, and he would just break down in tears and. He, couldn't participate. Got him on clozapine. I got him. He's run seven and a half marathons now. I have another two kids that are kicking my butt. Now it's two of them. Of
1: course, Rob has them to his house every Sunday and runs with them.
2: Yeah, but now they're <laughs> running me into the ground. <laughs> sort of I mean,
1: it's that kind of they're... engagement that. So I, do, I, do, I, do I need, need
0: to. I need to know, and our listeners <laughs> need to know. There's got to be more people out there like you, Rob, because they can't all go to New York no, they and come to your house on Sunday. So I, I you know, I, well, I wish... I'm
2: trying, to, I'm trying to come up with it. And this may sound selfish. <laughs> but I'm trying to come <laughs> up with we need to, a to mom, know what someone in Minnesota going to do. You can. You have to start paying these people to do this. I, I, I'm i very fortunate. I, I have some intergenerational wealth. So I'm, you know... So I I don't begrudge psychiatrists from making their money. You know, there is what I do. (laughs) Financially, you can't do it. But I'm being a little tougher these days. And I'm making people actually pay. And I think the government has to recognize the value in this. Uh, There was just a great study that came out from England. Uh, They have this uh, thing called NICE. I like that. Um, It's National Institute of Health Care Excellence, kind of nice, you know, National Care yeah. Excellence. Um, and they looked at three things that would save England the most money in terms of taking care of psychotic illnesses. And what were those three things? Well, number one, of course, was if clozapine was used correctly. Far and mm-hmm. away would save on the average of 20 to 30,000 pounds a year. And I think pounds are still worth more than the dollar. So I don't know, it used to be, it's just a little bit. It used to be like $2. $2.40, like
0: yeah. Something
2: like that, yeah, those are the days. But uh, now it's better, yeah. And when I go to England, I went to England a few years ago, It's was great, I go, what a great exchange rate. But that's one. Number two is, and this is why, Mindy, I disagree that we about our, our platform we were talking before we started recording. Cognitive behavioral therapy in the prodrome is incredibly useful. And working on um, just processing speed in the prodromal illness, because you have a high risk of psychosis individuals, and about a third of those will go on to full-time psychosis. So we know that if you use CBT and you use things that increase processing speed and you work with the kids, you can dramatically decrease the number of these kids that go on to develop psychotic disorders. How much and let me is? just
3: put in here so in case the listeners who didn't hear us ahead of time I strongly agree with that. So when you say we disagree it isn't about the importance of early intervention. Oh no,
2: early intervention is critical.
3: Previous misconception about right. something about uh, that we were talking about earlier, but we agree early intervention is key.
2: That's right. And the third thing which shouldn't surpri- surprise any of you is in the first episode psychosis involved the family get the family in and get them supporting. So that psychiatrist don't talk to families, I think is one of the greatest sins of all. Absolutely. It's just not the clozapine. It's everything around it. I always talk about engagement, access, treatment, support. You need them all. So you got to engage the kid. A lot of that is just having a good psychotherapeutic relationship with the kid and the family as well, because that's where the the ultimate support will be where i've failed is when i can't get the family involved and the kid is kind of half there half not there i you know i have no way of knowing what he's taking except i do levels every time they come in and you know the level keeps coming back as non detectable so i know i'm not getting anywhere you know so these are the kids i can't get better but where you guys are you're out there you're willing and I do believe most doctors, psychiatrists even included, sorry, watch what I'm saying, um, are well meaning. I think they're a little put upon. Um, I know the bottom of my class were the psychiatrists and they were not thought that kindly of, you know, the people going to psychiatry. Now, I some of the people that were in my class, I'm actually very good friends of. I don't, and you probably know Carol North. Do you know Carol North? She, uh, she wrote, she supposedly, well, she has schizophrenia or so, some form. It just shows you what the heterogeneity of the illness is. And she got dialysis as an experimental therapy. I'm not telling anyone to do dialysis because there's no rhyme, reason, or where for all why she got better. But she got better while she was doing dialysis. Voices went away. And if you look at her history, it really looks, you know, DSM-5, classic psychosis, long-standing, no mood component, really detached, really delusion, really tortured by voices. And
0: mm-hmm. everything
2: got quiet and, and she's a total doll. So I won't say all psychiatrists are bad because she was in my Washington University mm-hmm. med school class. And I have only tremendous respect. And there's other oh. guy, Reagan's also, who's also very good now in California.
0: Yeah, so, will you be able to, because we, we're actually only have about five minutes left. Oh my God, and... I,
2: I, what else you want me to talk about? I, well, I so can't there... just keep talking. There's,
0: well, uh, that's how you operate, which is wonderful. So, and uh, we didn't, we just had these questions just in case we, we had a lull, but we haven't had a lull. So (laughs) it's fantastic. (laughs) I would like to, uh, I mean, there's, there's so much, and I, I'm hoping that you will be able to provide us with some links to the nice study and to maybe other nephrologists or other yeah, people who
2: British think they're a Psychiatry, This is a great study. Yeah. General Psychiatry 2020, pages one to six. You have to buy it. I bought it.
0: Okay. Well, you know, uh, afterwards, maybe in an email, we can put some of the links in the description. Yeah, but
2: what <laughs> you really need if they got, if they really want the information, because there's I mean, if you really want me to talk about everything, it would probably take me 10 hours. Exactly. Uh, But if you just go to, and this is one long link, teamdanielrunningforrecovery.org. There's a lot of my talks on there. There's a lot of things like this, the Zoom sessions. I've done blogs. And they ask. I'll give
1: to, you yeah. some stuff, Brandy, that we can we can, and, uh, post. And then
2: that. there's the Clozapine Facebook page, which is also the Team Daniel Facebook page. And that's by, there you have to go, you have to answer some questions and make sure that we're legit because we don't want anyone, um, you know, cause, causing a ruckus. We're, we're pretty particular there. Um, those are two good links. Obviously, the book, obviously, the handbook um if people want they can use they can email me at rs lateman at l-a-i-t-m-a-n at aol.com and we'll put them on our listserv and mimi knows i put out my rants and my other articles and i go all over the place because i love medicine so i'll talk about covid i'll talk about clozapine i'll talk about psychosis i put out a little thing of history of Significant medical inventions, but then I ranted about look at this 60 years later and we're still not using clozapine. What gives with this? This is ridiculous. Um, Yeah, it brings up it's insanity. It's truly the insanity. And, you know, if I had my way, I would have a national AOT, assisted outpatient treatment, because there's some kids I cannot engage no matter what. They're so detached from reality. Mm -hmm. And you can't bring them to the table. If you can't bring them to the table, you can't get them there. I would revise the HIPAA laws where they would be liable if they did not corroborate and talk to the parent as opposed to saying- um,
1: Oh, scientist. I would love that. Oh That's
2: my what God, we that needs. really so help. You know, how many kids have walked out of the ER? A lot of people don't understand psychosis. These kids can hold it together. They're, Psychosis is not being, you know, in the nether worlds all the time. Psychosis is maybe having a persistent delusion that is affecting you and negatively affecting your life and impacting you or other people. But a lot of these kids can talk a great game for a short time in the emergency room and talk your way out of it. All these people had to do was call the parents, get on the phone, and say, you know, he tried to kill himself last night. He threatened to stab me. They just don't get that information. Right. And they think the reality is they think they're stymied by HIPAA. Um, I was at a conference eight years ago, nine years ago, is one of my earlier talks. And I got up there and I said, I always talk to the parent. I don't care what the kid says. And damn it, if I, this gets me into trouble with HIPAA. And it happened to be the woman in the audience said, I'm the commissioner of HIPAA for New York state. And you're not in any trouble for what you just said.
1: Oh my gosh, wow. Oh
2: my gosh. I said, okay, that's good. And um, Janet, um, oh my God. Hey, New Orleans, NOLA, what? Hey, thank you. Did a great thing with uh, HIPAA. And it's one of the podcasts. I did one with Eric Smith, who you guys have already had on.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: you know, where we were asked questions by Janet. But her NOLA series, has a lot of good information on it as well. Treatment Advocacy Center, you got to go to the, that site. TAC, that's all about AOT, but they also have a lot of good information and a lot of references. They talk a lot about anosognosia, the unawareness right. of the illness. Um, uh, Cure SC is another good site. Um, and uh, that's Bethany Eiser's site, curesc.org, I think.
0: Right, and I will put all of these in, in so the these description. They're, so all, that,
2: they're all good sites oh yeah. and I, I should probably mention my old formerly sarda what is it now Sarta, it's, not, it's, no it's the name Sarta.
0: changed
3: but i can't remember what it was. i know i
2: wish they i was not one i don't of know why they changed it i was not thrilled with it i know sarda but it's
0: like the we artist formerly
1: known yeah, as Prince. It
0: has,
2: it has a decent website no, you know, you before can...
3: we go, I have one question. I'm burning to get in here. Okay, and good. Okay, this we... is our
0: last question, then we'll do a sum up.
3: Okay, and this is for all the rest of us who yeah. don't Dr. Leitman. Do you think there's any chance that med therapy management will be reimbursable? Because the other psychiatrists use that uh, and they don't get paid for it. And I think that's a big problem.
2: Oh, that was my point. That, that was where I was going to talk about being selfish. Yeah, I think I have to go to SAMHSA. I think there should be a research project. Uh, a lot of well, if you get on my web, sir, there's one article I send out called uh, Surviving and Thriving in Schizophrenia, where I propose what we did in nephrology, because in the beginning in 1967, dialysis, no one will get it. So, what they did is they bribed nephrologists. So, we would get $500 a month for managing dialysis patients. So, all of a sudden, these pain in the ass patients, and they are a pain in the ass patients, believe me, worst patients I've ever taken care of, um, they were gold because you get $500 a month just for managing them. You have to do something like that with clozapine management. And what I proposed is because I think it's twice as hard and twice as much work, but there's also God knows how many times more to be gained. Most of these people on dialysis are, you know, older diabetics. They're going, they're approaching the end of their lives. Most of these people, people with first episodes, I could save their whole life in front of them. And if you would do this right, and you would use clozapine, and we could promote that, you know, we would save the government billions, billions of dollars. So you got to be generous. You got to bribe the psychiatrist. It should be $1,000 a month for the first six months. I'm serious yeah, because it's, no,
0: it's, it's really,
2: know, and that's, believe me, the, the return on investment would be amazing, but we have to show this in a, in a research, you know,
0: or well, they probably
2: will not do it and then move it down because after the first six months, the risk of eight grand goes down. And the reality is it usually takes about six months to build the regimen and,
0: um, and, and, right. and then it
2: gets easier. Then it's, then I would tone it down. So there'd be 500 in maintenance. After that, I went 750 for six months, six 500. I don't know what the number should be. I just made those up as I went along, but I <laughs> thought it would be something that would draw them in.
3: That's and, what we need is to have them drawn in and yeah. Listen because
2: think about say. it. They give, they give this stupid uh, in Vegas shot, 1200 to $1,600 a month. Closamine costs pennies. What a waste of money. And you just don't get the same kind of recovery. And you're gonna bring these kids back on the workforce. And mm-hmm. it's just it's it's insanity. Just but people don't know. There's a nihilism that they don't see this degree of recovery. And it's because they yes. don't do the work. There's a lot the, of thing is the studies only go out six months a year with clozapine because it, so much of clozapine is not the changing the chemical, you know, it's always about dopamine and the receptors. So much of clozapine is changing genes. And when you change genes, you change protein synthesis and you're changing pathways. And then you're changing what are called harmonics because everything's in a rhythm. That's why you have the EEG where things then come into harmony and things are working better together. These things take months to years to really have significant impact. And that's why kids get better over such a long period of time.
0: Right. The you longer don't... my son was on it, the the better he got, even with the Depakote. We have to wrap it up, unfortunately. Yes. But um, Mimi has just texted me that it's uh, Sarda is now Schizophrenia and Psychosis Action Alliance. Yeah. So <laughs> now we have that. Can we, um, I'm going to end with you, Dr. Leitman, but maybe we can each go around and just give one piece of advice or something that struck us from this conversation. Mm. And I would, since I'm talking, I'll say for me, it's just that it reinforces for me. I always say when I speak to groups about the family's involvement, that families need search, support, education, acceptance, Mm. resilience, communication skills, and hope and humor. And that again, educating yourself as a family member is so important. So In in the description and in this podcast, there are a lot of places we can go to educate ourselves so that we can then say to the psychiatrists, listen, I know about this and I want you to try this and encourage our psychiatrists to think outside the box and to learn more themselves. My son started on Closaril because I insisted on it. And for nine years, He got to the point, again, it was a slow build because he had had seven hospitalizations. It wasn't early, Mm -hmm. caught early. But by the end of the nine years, he was a taxpayer, not a social security recipient. But shoots and ladders, he's back down and no longer on it. But I I could see what could happen, that if he had the right mix, it would have been... So educate yourself and insist on... On trying it, if you feel that works for you, Mimi, and then Mindy, and then Rob will end with you.
1: Okay. Yeah, I would just say get the books if you're, you know, if you're at all interested in getting your kid on this medication and believing. Me, I look at all of Dr. Layman's kids, who are, mm, a lot of whom are a lot younger than Nick, and I look at Nick, who's 35, and has been sick for almost 20 years, and you know, I lie awake at night and just think about what if I found this in the beginning. So if you're out there and you're interested in this, get the books and be a pest and go to your doctor and don't give up until you find a doctor who will help you do this. I mean, just keep trying because it's all right there. All the ammunition, all the data, everything is there to, for you to take with you. You know, go on a crusade, give it a try. I mean, it's not gonna
3: do everything for everybody but it certainly is your best chance. And like Randy, um, Jim got on it because I was aggressive. I knew about it, but what I didn't know was if you got uh, a granulocytosis, you could go back on it. And they told him, oh, you couldn't. And Jim missed 15 years before he finally got to go back on it again. And now he's doing wonderfully well. So I thank you, Dr. Leitman for your book. I only read it this year because I didn't even know it existed. And now I know what to advocate for. So we got the med foreman, I've got my whole list. And um, I think I'm going to be aggressive enough to try to meet with this um, psychiatrist. I have just been so happy that Jim's working with her that I haven't done that. But I just feel like there's so much ground he could be gaining if she would be listening to what I wish I could get her to read your book. I feel I wouldn't be able to buy it for I could buy her one, I could give it to her. That's a really good idea. I think another dollar
2: goes to Team Daniel. We get a whole dollar of every book.
3: Okay. I I'm gonna get her the book. (laughs) And then I'm gonna if she doesn't do anything about it, then I'll think of my plan B.
2: Okay. Yeah. So the, the key is that you guys are the key. You're the ones in the trenches. You're the ones that live with them every day. And all I'm saying is why not use the best available medicine, give the best support, the wraparound services that you need, and voila. A lot of these kids get dramatically better And the longer you stay at it, the better that they will get. So don't settle for the nihilism. You've got to be aggressive and educate yourself. you got to start with the educating yourself and then educate the community around you. And um, look at our websites. uh, Mm -hmm. See some of our kids. You're all welcome to, um, and Mimi can get you on to, the Zoom, the getting they get a little unwieldy at times. But, you know, we have forty people on, but there, there is help. You know, the old line where there's hope there and there's help, and this provides so much of both.
0: Okay, and as we've certainly explored in this podcast, you know, stop the insanity. Remember that from years ago. We're trying to stop the insanity in the system so that we can stop psychosis from affecting our loved ones and there's a lot of work to do we can do it rob thank you so
2: much for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me you know and mimi knows i like talking about this stuff
0: (laughs) it's a pleasure i hope to meet you in person one day
2: i hope so too
0: hey thanks for joining us for this episode of schizophrenia three moms in the trenches with randy k mindy greiling and miriam feldman To get in touch with us or to learn more about our books, please visit our websites at Miriam-Feldman.com, MindyGreiling.com, or RandyK.com.